Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Amen. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. Thank you for being out here on a Wednesday night. Uh, we was just in North Carolina at Brother Stocks last night, um, and man, they had some church. I'm telling you, uh, the Lord began to move from the very first prayer, and uh, his uh, praise team began to sing, and they sung a song that I'm going to throw on our praise team, and it says, praise like you mean it, shout like you mean it, don't let no rock cry out in your place. Oh, there's there's some there's some shouting time in there, and uh, so uh, we had a great time, and uh, we just got back home right before church time. But we're so glad that uh, the Lord allowed us to make another trip uh, to Brother Stocks. He'll be coming up this way before too long, and uh, we're just looking forward to letting the Lord do some great things in all of our lives here tonight. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Amen. And um, we understand that uh, charity, which is love, uh, that uh, if you look at the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about speaking in tongues. Uh, you can speak with tongues of men and of angels. And if you don't have charity or love, then I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, we would think if somebody had all faith and was that spiritual, that, man, they just wouldn't be nothing they was lacking. But he said, even if I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, it's kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. This is what love is. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. You see, love is strong, stronger than anything that we may have in this world that we say, well, I've got a good, strong, uh, you know, uh, friendship, or I've got a good, strong uh, uh, job or economy. No, the greatest thing that you can have because here's what he said in the very last. He says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. Charity, which is love. So the greatest of these is charity. So today, I'm not taking one day out of the year and love the Lord. I'm not taking one day out of the year and love my wife. I'm not taking one day out of the year and love you all. I'm going to love you all and love my wife and love the Lord 365 days because you know why? It's simply because love is the greatest. Look at somebody and say, love is the greatest. 
Love will make you do things that you normally wouldn't do. You'll travel to Michigan. I mean, you will, you will, um, you know, you'll do stuff if you love somebody. If you truly love somebody, you'll sacrifice. That's why if you truly love the Lord, Wednesday night's not a sacrifice. It's an opportunity. And if you really love the Lord, Sunday's not a sacrifice. It's an opportunity. Amen. So uh, with that said, uh, we want to remind everyone uh, our announcements that we have been talking about uh, coming up. Uh, there is, a, um, I think, a conflict uh, with our, um, our um, going to the community center and uh, the conference. And I'm not sure how much that will interfere with kids, uh, but it definitely will interfere with ministry and ministers' wives. So um, we'll have to see if we need to change that. Um, I don't know. I'm leaving that up to all of you who deal with the youth. You'll have to get together and, and make a decision on that. Uh, that's, that's not in my wheelhouse anymore. Uh, and also, coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday, is KYC, Northeast Christian Church, Lexington, Kentucky. Speaker, Brother Josh Carson. And if you want to uh, go, and uh, you made plans, you no doubt have talked to the van driver. You no doubt have everything ready to go. So uh, if you're trying to wait till now and say, I want to go, you won't have a room. Uh, those rooms go like that right there. Section 3 Conference, February the 22nd, 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, also, heart-themed uh, gourmet dinner is February the 24th at 2 p.m. And the men's meeting is going to be the second Monday in March instead of the first this coming uh, month. And that is going to be at 6 p.m., March the 11th at 6 p.m. So keep that in mind. And our next rally is going to be a rally that's going to be a combination of a rally and a hyphen rally. And it's going to be at Brother Easterlings in Ashland, Kentucky. And Brother Aaron Bounds is going to be the guest speaker. And I guarantee it will be packed out. So if uh, we are going to make it, we need to leave early, get there early, so that we can get a seat and not be standing out in the parking lot saying, Boy, I can hear him. I can hear him. Boy, they're having a good time in there. You know, I, I don't want to stand outside. I want to be in the middle of it. So let's remember all that. Let's remember all of our prayer requests uh, that the Lord will just move in a mighty and miraculous way. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless his service tonight. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. Lord, you've been so good to us. You have provided for us. Lord, I, I never want to take what you do in my life for granted. I never want to get complacent in my praise and worship unto you because I love you, Lord, and I love you from the depths of my heart because you went to Calvary for me and you shed your blood for me. And, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would bless the service tonight, that as the songs are being sung, that we will be engaged in praise and worship and that 
you will accept what we give unto you as, as honor as it is meant to be. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand as Brother Caleb comes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. If you've come into the house tonight to love on the Lord a little bit, let's give him a little more praise. Hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy. You're great and greatly to be praised. Oh, yes. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you agree, say amen. There is a peace, a comfort, a joy that can be found in the house of the Lord. Why? Because this is where the people of the Lord come to dwell in the presence of the King Jesus. We understand that the Lord, our Jesus, he is love. He is kindness. He is patience. He is all the things that we long for. But yet a lot of people look for those things out in this world. We have a privilege of knowing that this is where we can find all those things. We should not keep those things to ourselves. We should go out and tell the people the gospel, meaning the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the love that he desires to offer to each and every one of us. Amen. Tonight, I want to, of course, I believe every everybody's topic of today is love. This day is based around love. John 3 and verse 16 states, for God so loved the world, this is probably a scripture a lot of people can quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, church, we look at this scripture a lot of times. We look at this scripture, and as I said, a lot of people can quote it, but we take it for granted. In the very beginning of that scripture, it said, for God so loved the world. It told us the reason before it told us what he actually did. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We understand through John 1 and 1, he was the word in the beginning, and the word became flesh. Amen, and that's a blessing. Because God loved us, he allowed himself to be robed in flesh, sent down to this earth, and he was crucified for us to have the opportunity to be in a heated building tonight and choose whether we want to worship him or not. Now tell me that's not love. Amen. If you would join me as we go into the, into the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we ask that you begin to shift the atmosphere in this place today, God. We've come to understand your desire and your will for our life, Lord. We've come here tonight to seek after what it is that you would have us do. So, Lord, begin to move in this service in Jesus' mighty name. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So I was reading that scripture. Another scripture popped up and it it made me begin to think Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was in an argument with a friend the other day, and I was talking about how God's love is unconditional. He said, Well, it's actually not unconditional because if you don't love him, then you will go to hell. That's, you know, that's a choice. That's. Either you live for him or you don't, but if you don't, you go to hell. It's not very, you know, it's not, it's not much of a choice 
what he said. So you know, God dying on the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, showing us love and, and opening the door for the Gentiles, those that did not have a hope for after death, those that did not have an opportunity to spend eternity in his presence. You see, he died on the cross and opened that, that door of opportunity for us. That is love. And he will love you no matter how much you are sinning, unless you blaspheme him. We understand that that's the unforgivable sin. Right? He will love you even if you are sinning. But because we serve an intolerant God of unforgiven sin does not mean he does not love you. I think a lot of people dismiss that. Because we serve a God that does not tolerate unforgiven sin, it does not mean he does not love you. He loves you enough that he's already paid the price. He loves you enough that whenever he come down to this earth, and if he stubbed his toe, he felt the same pain that you would feel. That body that he felt that pain in, he allowed it to be hung on a tree with nails staked through his hands and through his feet. He felt the piercing of nettle through his flesh. We don't take that into our understanding. We take it for granted. That is love that is unconditional. Because he saw into the future 2,000 plus years later to a church in Jamboree, Kentucky. There's going to be people sitting on a padded pew. And because of my acts of love right now, they're going to have an opportunity to live for me or to not. That's love. So tonight, I'm putting it in your hands. As the praise team prepares to, to worship the Lord and to love on him. I'm going to allow you to make the decision. Are you here tonight to love on the Lord? Are you here tonight to give back what he has given unto us first? If Jesus was to walk into this room, everyone would say, oh, I would get ecstatic. But yet he's here, and everyone's still standing in the same place. Jesus is in this room. How are you going to respond?
it's going to be one of the noisiest places you'll ever be. If you make it and go to hell, that too is going to be a noisy place. I'd like to think that while I'm upon the face of this earth, that I am going to give him the praise which is noise to my God who is worthy of it all. So that when I get to heaven, I won't be jumping it every time somebody says hallelujah. It should be a normal thing for us to be loud in the house of God. Amen. I've had people say, y'all too loud. If y'all if wasn't so loud, I would come to church. Well, you know what? You just have to find your funeral home. Because if we quiet down, the rocks will cry out. And that's not a fairy tale, and that's not just something to take up some words in a, in a book. It's an actual thing that if you don't cry out, a rock's going to cry out in your place. That's why when we come to the house of the Lord... We ought to make a little noise unto our God. Because I'm not going to let a rock cry out. Amen. I refuse to let a rock cry out in my place. Because after all, God has been so good to us. He woke you up this morning. Started you on your way. He kept you through the night breathing. You could have died through the night. But the Lord allowed you to see the light of another day to give him praise, honor, and glory. Amen. If you have your uh, Bibles tonight, we want to look into the word of the Lord. We're studying our way through these series of lessons that are helping us to have revival. And I'd really hate to know that we went through 52 studies and still haven't got it. So I hope you're getting it. Look at somebody and say, I hope you're getting it. I hope you're getting it because uh, if we're not getting it, it's not the preacher's fault. Brother Dwayne's teaching, Brother Caleb DeBarge is teaching, and I'm teaching, so it's not our fault. So if you don't get it, whose fault is it? Okay, you're on. Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. And again, he, talking about Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Notice what it said. It was noised. It didn't say where they whispered he was in the house. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Noised. Everybody say noised. If we don't learn nothing else tonight, we're going to learn how to make noise. Praise is noise directed at the Lord. That's what praise is. 
That's why he says clap your hands. That's noise, right? That's right. Clap your hands. It's noise. Lift your voice. Noise. It was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four or carried of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. I want to ask you a question. Does Jesus see any faith in you? Does Jesus see your faith? Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? You see, Jesus is God. Only. Everybody says, y'all, Jesus only. No, we God only. <laughs> we, we believe that, that Jesus is everything. We believe that God is everything. And therefore, when you talk about one, you have to talk about the other because they're the same. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all in so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Everybody say they glorified God. I wonder, can you just lay down your Bible right now and can we just begin to glorify God right now for what he has done? Lord, we lift up our voice. We lift up praise unto you, Lord. We want to give you glory, hallelujah, as we have come into this house. Lord, I pray that you would accept what we offer unto you. Lord, you have done so many great things in our life. You have not only forgiven us of our sins. You have allowed us to rise up and walk in newness of life. You have allowed us to become a new creature. You have allowed us, Lord, to be resurrected out of that watery grave and to walk in a manner that is pleasing unto you. Lord, I pray that you would touch each and every one here today. Let there be a spark of revival in every heart. Let there be a move of your presence in every life. Let families be reunited. Let marriages be mended. Let people be touched. Lord, I pray that you would show your power once again in this sanctuary as we give you the praise in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give the Lord a mighty hand
And you may be seated. Sometimes it's easy to have faith for someone else. When someone else has cancer, it's easy for you to say, well, I'm going to trust God. But if you're the one that has the problem, it gets a little harder. We find that here Jesus had entered into Capernaum, and it was noise that he was in the house. And they began to come together, not in one or two or tens or twenties. They came in such multitude that nobody else could get in the house. Remember I was telling you that we got to get early if we're going to get uh, to hear Brother Bounds in Ashland because uh, there's going to be standing room only and some people's going to be outside and be like this. Now, I don't believe Brother Easterling would appreciate if you tear the roof off his house or off his church house. I believe that uh, we just got to learn something from this, uh, that it's not talking about for us to follow this example, but it's talking about for us to have faith in fact that we will do whatever it takes to get a result. Now, I want to say, I want to say it again. We will do whatever it takes to get the result needed. Which means if I have to tear up some stuff in my life, if I have to tear up my schedule, if I have to tear up what I'm going to do after a while, I've got to tear up some stuff to get the result I need. And in fact... Since this is a lesson talking about having faith that these four friends had for their friend, we got to have so much faith that we're willing to tear up whatever we have to so somebody else can get the result they need. I'm going to say it again. We've got to learn to tear up some stuff, whether it's our schedule, our programs, what we think should happen or shouldn't happen. We've got to get rid of all that and say, I am here because a friend needs a result. I don't know if you have a need in this house, but I guarantee one thing. There's probably a 99.99.99% that everyone in this room has a need. And I would like to think that we have some friends in this house. I'd like to think that we have some friends in this house. In fact... I'd like to think that we had such good friends that they're willing to do whatever on a Wednesday night to help me get the result I need from God. If you need a healing, the old timers used to sing, if you need a healing, tell him what you want. But wouldn't it be great if we came on a Wednesday night and we didn't poke and 
mope, but we came into the house of God and we said, I'm carrying my brother's burdens. I'm carrying my sister's burdens. My brother's going through something. My sister's going through something. I'm carrying that to Jesus. I'm willing to tear up whatever I got to tear up. I may have a plan that I need something, but I'm going to tear up what I have to tear up to get the result for somebody that is in this house. I'd like to inspire you for a moment. I would like to inspire you for a moment. This man had four friends. They carried him to where Jesus was. When they got there, there were so many people they couldn't get in to see Jesus. So they decided, we're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you how revival breaks out. is when you do whatever it takes to get your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, your children to Jesus. I'm going to help us now. This is... This, I know this is tough. I know this is I know this is like going over your head, but I want you to know something that if we do not grab on to this uh, faith that these four friends had for their friend, we'll never get anybody prayed through to the Holy Ghost. If somebody needs prayed through, by all means, I hope there's some friends here. That's going to say, I'm going to tear up my schedule and I'm going to lay aside what I'm going to do and I'm going to help pray them through. Somebody, somebody might need a healing. Somebody might need a healing. And somebody is going to love that person enough, after all it is Valentine's Day, going to love that person enough to simply say, I'm going to do whatever I can to get the presence of God moving and to get you in the midst of it so that when the Lord begins to move, all of a sudden you're going to receive strength. You wanted to throw in the towel and give up and backslide and walk away from God, but because you had some friends that loved you enough to do whatever it takes to get you in the midst of Jesus. I know we're living in a, in a uh, single-minded world. It's every man for himself. I got mine, you get yours. I got everything I want now, you just got to get everything you want. You just figure it out and do it. But God has never wanted his people to be a person on an island all by themselves. He wants the church to be the church. Which means on a Wednesday night, somebody that needs something. If it's a healing, you come to the front and they ought to be some friends get around you. There ought to be some friends that have faith. Faith for a friend. You know, uh, when you look at this story, it's not so much the faith of the man who had the problem. 
It was the faith of the friends for the man. That's why sometimes, you know, you read and, and, and scriptures really kind of blow your mind because you read about Job and Job is praying for his children just in case they sin. You see, we got to get off of this. Well, praise God. If, if, if a person, you know, don't pray for themselves and they're hopeless anyway. No, we got to learn how to take them to Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm a firm believer you can bring somebody sick to a dead church and they're still going to leave sick. I'm a firm believer that you can bring somebody with a need to the house of God and if that church don't care if that person gets anything or not, that person is going back home the same way. But thank God you're here. Look at somebody and say, so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here because that means I may have a chance to get what I need. I may not be able to get to Jesus myself. This is the story. The man couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't make it to Jesus on his own. So four friends said, that's okay. I'm going to set the atmosphere for you to get in the midst of Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you in the midst of healing. You may have been carried here, but you're going to walk out of here. Some of us have carried our burdens way too long. We walk in burdens. We pack burdens. We go through the day with burdens, and we go in the night with burdens. But we have come tonight, and there ought to be somebody say, I'm going to have faith that somebody's going to lay down their burdens. Somebody's not going to be burdened down anymore. Somebody's not going to find themselves in the same predicament day after day after day. Is there anybody that's got faith for a friend oh come on church come on church let's all stand let's all stand somebody declare I got faith for a friend I got faith for a friend come on somebody declare it I got faith for a friend I don't find anywhere you may be seated. I don't find anywhere where the man with the, with the palsy, I don't find anywhere where he begged people, take me to Jesus. He begged them, you carry me. He begged them, have faith. He begged them, you know, oh, just, just go ahead and, and just take me back home because there's no way of getting to Jesus. Uh, we'll try it again next week. We'll try it on Sunday. The problem with a lot of people is we are satisfied putting off our miracle for some other day that never comes. I'm going to say that again. We put off our miracle to a day that never comes. 
God didn't say go home, think about it, pray about it, read about it, and then come back and get your miracle. He didn't look and say, well, I see that the four friends are taking their friend back home. Maybe they'll come back again sometime. You know what? If we would be the church God wants us to be, we would see people come off the street into this house, to this altar. We would see people get baptized in his name. We would see people get the Holy Ghost because you have faith for a friend. Look at somebody and say, I got faith for a friend. Faith for a friend. We were too eager to put our miracle off. Because after all, do we believe in miracles? Okay, we believe in miracles. You know what? I look around, I see miracles in this house. I see miracles. Every time I look at Lakin, miracle. Every time I look at Rachel, miracle. Every time I look at Brother Larry, miracle. I'm going to help us to understand that if you're waiting to see the dead rise, well, you're going to be waiting a while because you won't even stay long enough to see somebody get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I know. I know. I'd really like to see some blinded eyes open. Well, what about somebody that needs a healing in their body and they got a pain they can't get rid of and they just need some friends? How many knows you need friends? Somebody once said, if you have one friend in a lifetime, one good friend in a lifetime, you are a successful and blessed person. One good friend. Now we got, I don't know how many friends on Facebook you might have. I want you to know that number is not a true number. That's just bragging rights. Look here on my Facebook page. I got, I got 1.5 million friends. Which one's going to come to you in the midnight hour? Which one's going to help you when you're ready to throw in the towel and they say, no, you can't give up now. You've got to keep on. Heaven is close. No, I, I know, I know we, we got 1,000, 1.5 million, 1.5K. Friends. And we're more concerned about that than we are the person sitting in front of us or behind us or beside of us. I'd like, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. And I didn't go to bed until about 1. I went back to sleep. And then I woke up again and it was 5.30. And I thought, man, this night is a long night. And I'd pray and I'd just talk to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you know I got to drive back home tomorrow. And you know that I can't be tired because I got to teach and preach tomorrow night. 
and, and Lord, I don't want to give up and give, give a 20-minute sermonette and tell everybody how good you are. We need a word. Then I woke up at 7.30, and I just got up. And I thought, well, since I'm awake, I might as well get up and talk to Jesus, go fill my car up with gas, get my first cup of coffee of the morning, and then get ready to uh, meet the pastor and, and go out for breakfast and then head home. But you know what? I, I, I could have went through all that and said, you know what? I, I, need to, I need to phone a friend. You know these game shows where it says if you don't know the answer, you can phone a friend. We need to start phoning our friends, our true friends. You know what your true friends are? They ain't outside these doors. I'm going to help you. I'm, oh, I got a great friend at work. No, you've got a co-worker. Your friends are right here. Your friends are right here. I guarantee one thing. If you've got a need, if you've got a problem, if you need to talk to somebody, it's going to be somebody in this church. Because if you try to talk to somebody at work, they ain't going to understand you. Carnal mind can't understand your spiritual problems. Ain't no use to go to the world and try to get an answer that only God and his people can give you. Right? They had faith for their friend. Their friend could not get to Jesus by himself under his own power. So they said, since he can't do it, we will. I'd like for us to start this Wednesday and Sunday. And I know I say this and we seem to forget between Wednesdays and Sundays and Sundays and Wednesdays. But I'd like for us to get started on this. We're going to help somebody Pray through when they're struggling. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to have spiritual discernment to know when somebody's struggling. They'll start missing church. So what should you do? Phone a friend. They may come to church and, and they no longer lift their hands. When you see that, are you just going to sit there and say, well, there must be something wrong with them. I wonder what it is. Or do you say, maybe I can set the atmosphere for them to get what they need from Jesus. So I'm just going to start praising the Lord and I'm just going to start lifting up my voice unto my God and I'm just going to set the atmosphere that maybe they will get what they need if they lost their joy they'll get their joy back if they lost their peace they'll get their peace back if their mind is troubled they'll have a calm come over them if we can set the atmosphere but if we don't care about our friends We'll never carry them to Jesus. I'm a firm believer these four friends love this man. I don't know if, if they know, knew him all their life. I don't know if they knew him 
you know, uh, from an acquaintance or church uh, rally, uh, uh, some uh, revival that happened, I don't know. All I know is that when it says that when he entered into Capernaum, it was noised he was in the house, and there was one that began to bring somebody sick of palsy, and he was being carried by four people. He had a need, and somebody was ready to usher him in to the presence of the Lord. Praise team. I know you hear this all the time. Your only job is not to sing talented, not to sing skillfully, but to sing anointedly so that you can usher somebody in to the presence of the Lord that just came for another service. I'm going to help us because sometimes we are guilty of just showing up for another service. I'm here, it's my obligation. This is what we do. We're Christians. Do you know what? If, 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 if we can just start scanning, I just want you to know, sometimes we need to just start looking around the building. You'll never see hurt like this right here. You'll never see hurt Maybe somebody walks through the door and you ought to go shake their hand. I'm going to help somebody. No, that's Brother Jerry's job. No. No. It's everybody's job. That means that when somebody is going through something, the Bible says when one hurts, we all hurt. So when somebody comes in on a Wednesday night and, and you look at them and, and say, how you doing? They roll their eyes. It's time to start getting in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to help us. If you show up on a Sunday morning and you look at somebody and say, how you doing? And they go, you don't want to know. Say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I'm going to lift up your name. Lord, if you will just come down where we are, if you will just move among us, you see we can get people in the presence of the Lord and they can get what they need. Woo. Friends bring friends to Jesus. Remember the old slogan, friends don't let friends drive drunk? We need to learn how to not let friends go without Jesus. Somebody says, I'm having a bad day. Say, come on now. Jesus is good, ain't he? That's the way you approach it. Somebody says, well, you just don't know what I've been through today. Kids is acting up. My dog bit me and cat scratched me and all these things. And you say, oh, let's just praise the Lord for a moment. You ever notice... I'm going to help some that's still sitting like statues. I'm going to help some of y'all. Let me tell you something. Here's the thing we all need to understand is that when we come into the presence of the Lord and we see somebody have a need, 
You don't have to know their need. You don't have to pry in their business. In fact, it ain't none your business. But what your business is, is to get the presence of the Lord and the atmosphere of the church moving. And you watch. Somebody that comes in that's all down and out, and all of a sudden you'll see them start to stand up a little bit. I've watched people come in, and they had such a sour look on their face. They looked like they'd been eating lemons and persimmons and all sorts of sour stuff all day long. And they come in, and they sit down. And you know what? When the praise team starts singing, I watch this. This is what I see. I see somebody start doing this. Then they'll shake their head like, oh, Jesus, I need you. You see, if we're not careful, we won't care about the atmosphere. And that's when people backslide and go home in the same condition they came in. Oh, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. You won't leave here bound, depressed, sick or lame. The Holy Ghost in the book of Acts is still the same. And you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Oh, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. You won't leave here bound, depressed, sick or lame. The Holy Ghost in the book of Acts is just the same. And you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. How many knows we don't have to leave here like we came? I didn't drive five and a half hours wore out with about three hours or four hours of sleep just to come and put in my time. I know that somebody needs the Lord. Somebody came for an answer. Somebody came for a touch. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. There is only one way to touch him. That's belief. Have faith. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. Friends bring friends to Jesus. Two are better than one, the Bible says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Two are better than one. How many believes that two are better than one? Now, I'm going to tell you something. One person whose car breaks down and it's ice cold outside and no coat. I've been there. I didn't have to walk but about here to that curve down there. And when I got to the person's house, this, this was back, me and my wife hadn't been married very long. We still had old Troy. 
we name our cars. Troy was an old Toyota Corona. It looked like a bread box with four wheels. But now it would take you most of the time. So it broke down on me. I was going to go get gas. No, it, it just ran out of gas. I was going to go get gas. And uh, so you know me. I'm, I carry a coat now, but I never wear a coat. You'll see me in 18-degree weather like this right here. That's just me. Don't try it at home. But the vehicle ran out of gas on the three-lane. Everybody knows where three-lane's at up here. Right before you get to Phelps, three-lane. I pulled off that bridge. Well, everybody knows where the trailer's at. And that, that brick home just, just, just right on the left. That's my, that's my journey from right here to right there. So I sat there for a few minutes, and uh, nobody. I told my wife when I left, I said, if I ain't back in a certain amount of time, come looking for me. Send Muncie after me. I didn't want her out. I said, send Muncie. And uh, so I waited and waited, and I thought, well, surely she'll tell him about now, and he'll be coming down the road looking for me. Well, he didn't come. So... Uh, I got out of the car. I'm already froze because it ain't been running. I've got a T-shirt on. And it's winter time. And it's ice cold. And I have this little old, everybody knows what a windbreaker is. It ain't got no fur in it. In fact, you can ask, what's it fur? Because it ain't got no fur. It, it's, it's just a thin piece of plastic. I put that on. Here I go. I'm walking, and, and wind's blowing. It's ice cold, and I'm a-shivering. I go up, and I knock on the trailer. The lights are on. I thought, man, I hope they're home. I knocked on the trailer again. All of a sudden, I heard something inside, some little kids talking. Who is that, Mommy? I don't know. I want, I want, no, I'm not going to say that. I knocked, and when she opened the door, you know what? I couldn't even talk. This is no exaggeration. I said, I, 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 need, need. I mean, I, you, have you ever been so cold that your lips shiver? I couldn't talk. She said, she didn't know who I was, really. But she said, come in here. Warm up. Oh, I thought, whew, thank you, Jesus. I stood there and got warm. And she said, uh, you need to use my telephone? I said, yeah, I do. And I called and everything worked out. But what if they hadn't been home? The next house was a little further. That's true. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we try to do things on our own and we end up getting in a bad situation. If there have been two, body heat is a powerful thing. I will tell you, I am the body heat of all body heat. I mean, I can shake your hand right now and you'll say, have you had your hands in your pocket? You, be, you, you wear them gloves got warmers in them. My daddy lay dying on the deathbed and, and his hands were ice cold where his, his blood wasn't circulating and his life was leaving his body and I just reached and 
just held his hand because I wanted to hold his hand. And he said, son, your hands are awful warm. Two's better than one. Too many people try to solve their problems on their own. I can't ask nobody to pray with me. I can't tell that to the church. I can't let nobody know what I'm going through. No, we need somebody else because the Bible plainly says two are better than one. Because they have a good return for the work. If one falls down, guess what? His friend's going to help him up. Right? That's a friend. We're talking about Valentine's Day, friendships, relationships, all this stuff. Why not help a friend? Why not pick you somebody this night that you're going to pray for in this church? That you're going to pick somebody and you're going to say to yourself, I'm just going to pray for that person. And I'm going, to, I'm going to set the atmosphere because I've noticed they've been withdrawn. I've noticed they've been kind of laid back. I've noticed they don't praise like they used to. They don't stand when everybody else stands. They, they, they don't do anything. Pick that person and pray for them. I guarantee you'll start seeing this. I guarantee you'll see some people standing. You know why? Because when you take your friend in the presence of Jesus, something has to change. I'm going to help us. When you take your friend in the presence of Jesus, something has to change. These four men, they, they began to put forth the effort. I don't know how far they carried him. But I guarantee you, if you've ever worked in the mines and uh, you had somebody get hurt and you had to carry them, all the coal miners know what this means, if you had to carry them four breaks, by the time you carried them four breaks, you needed the stretcher. There was a friend of ours on the section. He fell off a ladder. He fell off a ladder. He's laying there. He's hurt. So they say, go get the stretcher. Everybody else stand around like this right here. It's going to be all right. Your foot looks a little twisted. Telling him how bad he is. Going to put him in shock. You never stop at a car wreck and say, "Woo, your head's about cut off. They're going to die in shock. Spiritual shock will kill people. If we see people going through stuff, don't look at them and say, Boy, you sure are backslid. You, you ain't like you used to be. No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to give up completely. I, I ran. I ran. I ran. I ran four breaks to the end of the track where the motor was. Got the stretcher. Stretcher ain't heavy. It's aluminum, lightweight. That's not the problem. The problem is when I get down there, I'm... I, I turn and I run back four breaks. About two breaks into my run back, 
I did a walk. You can see their lights. Come on. I'll be there. I'll take it back to them. Now, four of us are going to have to carry him back to the end of the track, take him outside. I'm one of the four. I mean, now I'm going to tell you, when you carry a casket up the hill, it ain't no easy task. When you carry somebody four breaks to the end of the track, it ain't no easy task. That's why these men, it was not an easy thing for them to do it. Everybody's looking for stuff easy. Sometimes you've got to put yourself out. You've got to get out of your house, out of your warm house, out of your lounge chair, and go visit somebody every now and then. Right? I know. I know. Faith for a friend. Faith for a friend. Friends bring friends to Jesus. A friend loveth at all times. Proverbs 17, 17. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. I don't know how far they carried him, but that was not the issue. The issue was if it was a short distance, a long distance, they wouldn't quit until they got him in the presence of Jesus. Right? I don't know. I don't know how far we have to carry some people through the year of 2024. I don't know. But we ought to be willing to say, I'm going to carry them all the way through if I have to, because I'm going to get them in the presence of Jesus, because I can't help them. I can't heal them. I can smack you with oil and, and spit in your face. And you're just oily covered in saliva. But Jesus. The scriptures encourage Christians to be friendly. We ought to be the friendliest church in town. Everybody you meet at Phelps ought to know where you go to church. Everybody you meet at Phelps are to smile at you and you smile back at them, how you doing? When you go into the post office, somebody ought to look you eyeball to eyeball. I don't know that person. I really didn't want to speak to them. No, you speak to them. A person that has friends must first show himself friendly. So the strangers become friends. These four men put forth a great effort to bring their friend to Jesus. A friend loveth at all times. The scriptures encourage us to be friendly. Look at somebody and say, are you going to be friendly? Now look, look behind you at somebody and say, you going to be friendly? Better smile at me next time. Development and maintenance of friendships require deliberate effort and cultivation. Friendships don't just happen. Marriages don't just happen. A church don't just happen. Right? I'm going to 
I'm going to come to a close, but the law of sowing and reaping plays an important role in accumulation of friends. If you start talking to people, they will want to come to church with you. Nobody wants to sit aside of a snob. Nobody wants to come to church with a bunch of people that ain't got time to talk to nobody. How many's ever heard me say this? Be sure to go shake our guests' hands. Right? But don't forget to shake each other's hands also. Maybe, maybe, maybe we ought to pull an old-fashioned meet and greet. Which means we just say, everybody step out of the aisle. I'll tell you what, let's just do it right now. This is the best time of any. Everybody step out of your seat and step across the aisle behind you, in front of you, and just shake about two or three hands, just two or three hands, and tell them you're their friend. You got a friend? James Taylor didn't write the song that... that the Word of God said it way before James Taylor sung it. You got a friend. You got a friend. I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. When you're, when you're down and out, I'll be your friend. When you're on top of the world, I'll be your friend. When you're down in the valley, I'll be your friend. I will be your friend no matter if you got money, no money. If people like you or hate you, I will be your friend. Amen. Just remain standing because I want to I wanna close. They can, they can go tell our, our youth service. Has anybody ever felt like the way's been blocked? You, you really wanted to get something in the service and it just seemed like it was blocked. You come to church and you really wanted to receive a blessing, but nothing happened. It, it just seemed to be blocked. When things seem to be blocked, you've got to learn how to find another way. Sometimes when people get ready to leave, you know, people gather up in the aisle and people can't leave. They're blocked. You got to find another way. So you go across a pew, down an aisle, cross another pew, down an aisle, and go out another door. <laughs> if we will only be friends. That was an old spiritual hymn. Why can't we be friends? I believe we broke some barriers tonight. I believe we broke some barriers. I, I, I want us on Sunday to come and shake everybody's hands right off the bat. Right? Because we're friends. You, you shake somebody's hand and they look at you and they're not happy or they don't smile. Just, just take your time to take them, not 
not grab them by the hand. Come on, we got to go pray. Pastor said you got to pray through. No. I want you who notice somebody not getting it to just start lifting your hands and start lifting your voice. People's going to look at you funny. They're going to say, wonder what's wrong with them because they wasn't here on Wednesday. They don't know what we're doing. We all going to be walking around on Sunday morning. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Come down where we are. Let your spirit begin to flow. And somebody's going to come off the street and they're going to say, I don't know what them people's doing, but man, I don't know. They're, they're, they're asking some Jesus to come down and, and just fill the house. I believe we can do that. I believe we can have revival. I believe that a friend loves a friend. And Jesus said this, you are my friends. If you keep my commandments or do whatever I've told you to do. Let us suppose the four who carried the man to Jesus believed that palsy was an acceptable state of physical health. Let us suppose that they tried to convince this guy he was fine just like he was. That's what happens when a lot of people come to church and we, we never pray them through. They sit on pews lost. Some visit once, twice, and ten times and then leave and never come back. We failed them. All of us. We failed them. But let me tell you something. What if we looked at people that were sinning and say, you know what? You might as well just accept it. Sin's a fact of life. Just keep doing it. You ain't helping them. If the four had looked at the man and said, you might as well get used to your condition. We can't get to Jesus. We'll find another way. Now, I don't know, and I know how I'd feel if four friends was carrying me and they wanted to go on top of this building and we're trying to get in, we can't get in, and you know what they said? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go on top of this building and we're going to tear the roof off and let you down. I said, you do what? <laughs> we're we're going to... Do you know what effort it takes to get somebody in a stretcher on top of a house? They didn't have a forklift. They didn't have a scissor lift. One of them probably climbed up first and throw the rope down. And he's probably going, no, 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 just take me back home. I'm good. I'm good. I'll just be like I am. Sometimes that's what sinners do to us. No, no, I, I, I'm good. As, I'm good. I don't, I don't know. If I have to do all that, I ain't going. How many's ever heard that? If I have to do all that, I'll just stay like I am. No, we got to get them on top of the house. We can't get them in the house, get them on top of the house. We can't get them on top of the house. And I'm talking, I'm talking in a spiritual way. We have got to do whatever it takes to get them in the presence of Jesus. When they let that man down in the midst of Jesus, Jesus looked at him, and, and no doubt he looked as they lowered him and 
and, and he was probably smiling and thinking, man, that's friends. They're doing whatever they got to do to get him in my presence. That's friends. Friends don't let friends die lost. Just as faith constrained the four men to bring the sick of palsy to Jesus, our faith will constrain us to bring our friends to Christ. It's contagious. It's contagious. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you tonight. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, and I want us to ask the Lord to help us to be friendly, to help us to pray for our friends and get our friends in the presence of Jesus. Let's begin to pray. Lord, I love you, Jesus. You've done so much for me. Lord, you brought me through a lot of stuff because I had friends. I had friends that would pray with me. I had friends that would encourage me and Lord, I pray that right now that you will change the culture of this church and that, Lord, we won't be satisfied just coming to church and putting in our time and saying, boy, didn't we have a good song service or wasn't that a good message. But, Lord, we want your presence to move. We want people to be brought out of the valley and out of depression. We want people to be healed and delivered. We want people to come out of sin. We want people to be revived. Lord, help us. Help us to be the friendliest church in town. Help us to be the friendliest people around. Help us, Lord, that we'll speak to everybody we see unashamed. We will talk to everybody we see. We'll invite people to come to church. But most of all, we'll live a life that they can't condemn. Jesus, help us. We give you the praise in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Oh, you got a friend. You got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. His name's Jesus. Amen. He'll be there with you and for you. I'm glad I have that friend. Let's be friendly. Let's be friends one with another. Let's set the atmosphere come Sunday morning in your classroom if you're a Sunday school teacher. In this room if you're in the adult class. Let's set the atmosphere for somebody to get what they need. No matter what it takes. How long it takes. I'd rather spend another three hours in a service than to just go through the motions of one hour. And let people go home and say, well, we'll try it again next week. Let's set the tone for the Lord to move. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to let you go. And before you leave, why don't you shake somebody's hand? Tell